Hello everyone. In this week's episode, you will hear about struggling Baltic pensioners, why Danes and Lithuanians got into a fight, how many Russian speakers are happy to live in Latvia, and how Estonians rock the most important education test in the world. I'm Anna Udre from Latvia, and this is the 23rd episode of the Baltic Reports. We are three Baltic journalists behind this only English-language Baltic podcast, with me, Marian Mene from Estonia, and Jill Squarwood from Lithuania. So if you like what you're hearing, please support us. You can donate through Fixers.press website. So what was going on in the Baltics last week? I will guide you through the news stories from the first week of December. The Baltic states don't provide access to basic data needed to run efficient fight against corruption. Transparency International and the organization called Open Knowledge Sweden recently published a report analyzing data openness. They considered five most relevant data registers of business owners, of lobbyists, declarations of state officials, public procurements and financing of political parties. Latvia and Lithuania both provide easy and convenient access to only one and Estonia to only two of those databases. Lithuania is ahead of other states when it comes to providing data on financing political campaigns, but hasn't taken any steps towards creating open registered, for example, of business owners. You can only know who established a Lithuanian company, but not the real beneficiaries behind it. In Latvia, only public procurements registered is published in open data form. Other relevant data in Latvia are usually published in a way that is not user-friendly. Both in Latvia and Lithuania, the data sets on parliamentarians' interests and asset declarations can only be searched on individual politician level. In Estonia, you can browse through financial interests of politicians only if you hold an Estonian ID card. Lobbying is an area of major concern as it remains unregulated in all countries except Lithuania, but even there, lobbying registered is not available in open data format. More than every fourth Baltic pensioner lives in relative poverty based on an OECD study. This means that they are not living in total poverty, but they also don't have the same living standards as everyone else in their countries. Both in Estonia and Latvia, more than 30% of seniors are struggling, whereas in Lithuania the situation is a bit better, with 25%. Still, these numbers are very high compared to other OECD countries. The average among the developed states is 13%. The sad reality is that many pensioners in the Baltics are forced to take up a job to get by. They may be often doing it unofficially, too. Often they don't have any other choice because the old-age pension in the Baltics is less than 500 euros a month in average. But the Baltics stand out with something else too. Interestingly, in most OECD countries, poverty shifted from the old, who used to have the highest poverty levels, to young adults since the mid-90s. In the Baltics, this hasn't happened. In fact, the older get poorer in our region and the young are happily enjoying their lives. On a more positive note, all three Baltic governments have already decided to increase the pensions in 2020. This week in Lithuania. A fight over working conditions broke out between Danish and Lithuanian construction workers in Copenhagen. The long-lasting tension burst out after around 10 allegedly Lithuanian-speaking workers attacked Danish labor unionists. It happened when the Danes arrived to inspect the working conditions at the construction site. The next day, around 300 Danish scaffolding workers gathered to protest and block the site. 
Organizers of the protest accused Lithuanian workers of violent behavior and later attacked them in greater numbers. They toppled down the unsafe scaffolding, which was built by unskilled Lithuanian workers who actually lacked the necessary education. They also damaged several cars who belonged to guys who attacked the labor unionists. Danish Union of Scaffolding is angry because laborers from Poland and Lithuania do their work. They work in cheaper and longer hours than any Danish laborer would. At the same time, according to unions, they are just victims caught in criminal acts by subcontractors. And indeed, the recent attack against the union representatives shows that these subcontractors might be controlled by criminals. The only thing for now that Danish workers can do is fight them by attracting public attention. Vilnius University was shut down for two days in a protest over low salaries. According to protesters, authorities didn't deliver on their promises to increase funding starting from January 2020. Earlier this week, its lecturers, led by protest movement The Last Priority, staged an intellectual provocation outside the government building in Vilnius. A few hundred protesters surrounding Vilnius University rector and his team all dressed up with academic mantias while they were distributing free diplomas to passers-by. The attempt to ridicule the authorities didn't achieve anything. The Lithuanian minister signed the agreement on raising some salaries with the union representatives they like. For example, this time the government chose to please Education and Science Union, which represents a small part of the education community, but decided not to increase overall funding that they promised. So the community of Vilnius University, one of the biggest and oldest academic institutions in the region, didn't accept it and decided to shut down for two days. Educators in Lithuania are certainly underpaid. But it is not the only reason behind low-performing Lithuanian education sector. Eurostat data shows that Lithuania constantly assigns the largest share of total education expenditure to the so-called research and development education. In the past decade, around 10 billion euros have been assigned to spend on this. This should increase the productivity of researchers and solve many other issues. Yet, Lithuania fails to produce any results in this field. The common explanation for this is that the money evaporates somewhere in the corrupted administrations before even it reaches the intended academic recipients. This week in Latvia Latvia is among the few countries in the European Union that still hasn't ratified the Istanbul Convention. The convention is about preventing and combating violence against women and domestic violence and was proposed back in 2008 by the Council of Europe. Most of the EU countries have signed and ratified it by now, but in Latvia it doesn't seem like happening anytime soon. Currently, there are only two coalition forces that support the convention. The rest seem to think that the convention would eventually lead to a formal recognition of third gender and same-sex marriage. That's why they refuse to sign it. This is actually false, but it does play on public emotions and eventually gives more votes to the parties that do not support the convention. The Council of Europe already back in 2018 made a public statement that several religious and ultra-conservative groups have been spreading false narratives about the Istanbul Convention by saying that the convention will impose a certain lifestyle on European countries. 
Besides Latvia, Slovakia, Bulgaria, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Lithuania and the United Kingdom still haven't ratified the convention. The majority of Latvian Russian speakers are proud to live in Latvia. This is according to the Latvian facts research that was included in a study by the National Defense Academy. For more than 30% of Latvia's population, the mother tongue is Russian. This includes not only Russian but also Ukrainian, Belarusian and other minorities living in Latvia. Typically in the Baltics, they are all called Russian speakers because they usually speak fluent Russian and often learn it as their first language in home. The Russian-speaking community is considered to be receptive to Kremlin propaganda that often discredits Latvia and creates distrust towards the country. But the newly released survey contradicts the sentiment and shows that the situation is changing. 83% of Russian speakers considered themselves patriots of Latvia, which is high even amongst the population as a whole. At the same time, only 26% of Russian speakers feel that their opinion is important to the Latvian state institutions. During the Soviet occupation, Russian population more than tripled in Latvia. This led to ethnocentrist policies after regaining the independence in 1991, meaning that not always interests of Russian speakers in Latvia were taken into account. That made the integration slow and painful. Even though tensions between Latvians and other minorities still exist today, we can say that the Russian-speaking population is more loyal to the country than ever. This week in Estonia. Estonian 15-year-old students are the best in Europe and amongst the developed countries all over the world when it comes to reading, math and science. Only pupils from China, its autonomous region Hong Kong and Singapore scored higher. This is according to the global PISA ranking that was published this week. It's a worldwide study by OECD to evaluate educational systems by measuring school pupils. Half of Estonia's 15-year-olds took part in the test last year. The result came as a surprise to Estonians who are always in a tight competition with Finnish students. During recent years, Finnish scores have dropped though. This news is important for Estonia because it makes the small country stand out internationally. In this week's report, BBC dubbed Estonia as Europe's newest education powerhouse. And even more good news, according to the study, three out of four Estonian students believe they are capable of improving their intelligence and are willing to put effort into their own development in order to secure a better future. This is the highest score amongst the OECD countries. This will give Estonian teachers a great excuse to ask for another raise. The other Baltic states, Latvia and Lithuania, did relatively well, scoring only slightly below the average compared to other developed countries in the world. What the Russians want, we cannot give. Estonia's defense minister Yuri Luik said in Estonia's public broadcasting TV station. Or in other words, he meant to say a dialogue with Russia is pointless. As an ex-ambassador to Russia, Luik believes that dialogue with Russia doesn't have any added value. He said that Russians want to get something in return. The conversation was about the French President Emmanuel Macron's comment that NATO should reopen a strategic dialogue with Russia. Luik said that Russia has become a threat again and the need for a united NATO is stronger than ever. Macron's bold statement came right before the London-NATO summit that took place this week.
His statement caused tension amongst NATO members and the world was watching and waiting what will happen next. But Macron wasn't the only one making worrying statements. Turkey said it would block plans for the new defense of the Baltics and Poland against Russia. In the end, under pressure, Turkey withdrew and the defense plan was agreed on. The summit ended with vow that members would stand together against Russia, China and threat of terrorism. However, Macron's wish did come true and NATO leaders agreed to review the alliance's future direction. Macron admitted that his intervention had rocked the boat to push for change. Estonia will now have to hope that the future direction will take the threat of Russia seriously, because there wouldn't be any point to have a dialogue with Russia, as Luik pointed out. These were the main news stories from the Baltics from the first week of December. If you have any suggestions or tips, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You can do that by looking for fixers.press. Thank you for listening. Until next week.